Good morning. I'd like to thank the worship team, my family. Uh, that's very special to me. To bring us into the presence of God, to welcome us into to God's presence. Let's open the word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for just your grace and your, your goodness to us. You thank you for your grace, Lord. Thank you for just so many things that, that you give us reason that we, we should not fear and we should not, we should not ever shrink back because the words of God are true. We can say amen to that because they're always true. So we thank you, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives. We praise you. Amen. I'd like to pray for Peyton, um, young baby and her lungs, filling with, with, with fluid, and just, just, just a request, Lord, that you would just look after this baby this morning, you would, you would just speak to her and comfort her, Lord, and put your loving arms about her and your healing hand upon her, Lord, and just... We just pray for her, Lord Jesus. We know that she's your creation and she's the one you created for a purpose. And God, you love her. And so we just ask a special prayer upon her this morning, Jesus. Amen. I'd like to, um, well, that's nice. Um, look at a verses in First Thessalonians chapter 2. And we'll be reading from verse 1 to 13 this morning. As we read this, I'd like you to think in the context of missionary service. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. You know, brothers, that our visit to you was not a failure. We had previously suffered and been insulted in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of God, we dare to tell you this gospel in spite of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or from impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as men approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We are not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. You know we never use flattery, nor when we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from men, nor from among you or anyone else. As apostles of Christ, we have been burdened. We, have been, we, have, we could have been a burden to you, but we were gentle among you, like a mother caring for her little children. We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel but our lives as well, because you had become so dear to us. Surely you remember, brothers, our toil and our hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach the gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy and righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live as lives worthy of God. 
who calls you to His kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because you received the word of God which you heard from us. You accepted it not as the word of men, but actually is the word of God which is at work to you who believe. Amen. This message this morning, I've, um, I've, I've titled it Missionary Advice because Paul has been traveling about a number of places and as he goes, he's writing letters. And in this case, he's writing letters back to the church of Thessalonica of things that he'd gleaned and things that he'd learned and words of encouragement, words of, of teaching, words that would, would continue them in the gospel. And so... He writes to brothers, and the brothers are the brothers and sisters in Christ who are his fellow missionaries, his fellow workers, his fellow laborers that are called by the gospel to go out and share. He writes to them as brothers, those who have a like bond with him in Jesus Christ, those who are the children of God and of, who could call the sovereign God Father, and also those in chapter th- 3 of the book of John who have entered into the kingdom of God and have been born of water and the Spirit. And so when he says brothers, he doesn't take that lightly. There's a very clear and very definite connection between the brothers in the church, and the sisters in the church, whom which he loves deeply. We are a unique and peculiar people. And also, the recipients of this letter, and when he says brothers, he's speaking to us as well. Paul goes on to remind them that he was not a failure. He's referring to his previous trip that we pick up in the book of Acts, verses 1 to 9, where he went to Thessalonica. And when he went there, as was his custom, he would go to the synagogue, and there he would share. He would be invited to share because he was a guest, and as a learned guest, people would be interested in what he had to say. And so, on three different occasions, he shared the gospel of Jesus. He presented to them and he persuaded with words of knowledge and of wisdom the person of Jesus and the gospel. And so as a result of the words that were shared, many came to faith. Many Jews, many Greeks, and it says many prominent women among the society of Thessalonica came. But in the process of doing that, the Jewish leaders became jealous of what Paul was sharing and what they were seeing. And as a result, they went down to the marketplace. And maybe it was a shady place in the market and they gathered up their friends and they said, we have somebody in this community that we want you to raise up a riot against, raise the people in opposition against them and start a riot. And so these people did that. And as a result, Paul and Silas were targeted as troublemakers and those who had to be eliminated. And so the community basically started to riot against them and they had to 
literally run for their lives. And they went to some of the believers' houses. A person named Jason dragged him out into the community and all these false witnesses, or false claims against him. In the end, people went home, but Paul and Silas left. And um, he says to them, that was not failing. Their perception was, oh, you went to, to Philippi and you got run out of town and things didn't go well. That sounds like a disaster to me. But he said, it wasn't a failure. In God's perspective, it wasn't a failure. And on, on a personal level, you may recall a presentation that my wife Sharon and I made of our missionary work in Cambodia. And when we first went to Cambodia in 2016, um, we were to um, join a missionary organization, and that didn't work out as we had anticipated. We had, in fact, committed to a two-year period with this ministry, and after two months it was evident that we were... It was not what we envisioned, and the ministry was not going to continue. We're just not compatible as far as our values went with this particular missionary organization. So after a very long lead-up, um, particularly me retiring from work, we left Australia, we sold most of our possessions, we traveled to Cambodia to, to commence this long-term ministry. And after investing prayerfully and emotionally, financially and physically, we after a short period of time felt devastated and very much a failure. Feeling very high spiritually and then hitting the bottom of the barrel. If God had left us in that state, we would surely have dried up spiritually and faded off. But God did not abandon us. In fact, he was very much in that place of disappointment and frustration and feeling alone. God was very present and very active in comforting us and providing to us his advice, godly insight, and perspective on what just happened. God gave us one single verse. And that verse, that single verse, brought immediate perspective and commenced a healing process that was desperately needed. Amazing how one verse from the Bible can turn your perspective of life from I'm a failure to almost praising God and saying thank you for what you've taken me through. Amazing. That verse is in 1 Samuel verse 15, or chapter 15, verse 22. It says, Does the Lord delight in burnt promises and sacrifices as much as obeying the voice of the Lord? It's better to obey than to sacrifice. The key point we received from that verse was simply God called us to obey Him. That's all. He is responsible for the results. 
fruit or otherwise from our sacrifice. We realize that when we submitted to his call on our lives to leave Australia and travel to Cambodia and present ourselves obedient to his call, we were being obedient to him. And that's all he wanted. Period. That's all he wanted from us. Interesting, we're, ret- we're now returning to Cambodia again in 2018. And we just recently received a commendation, or that is a letter of support from BFA that we're, we're very grateful for. For our work in Cambodia. And in the process of this commendation, uh, we've been speaking with Phil Barnes, who's the executive director of MSC, the people who have the handbook there. And during the discussions, we told him the same account that I'm telling you of our initial trip to Cambodia. And what he said surprised us when we told him how we were devastated. He said, this type of situation is very common among missionaries who travel abroad. Many return to their home country crushed and feeling like they have failed in some way. To me, this was shocking. I thought, how is it possible that many people, not just us, we thought we were alone in this situation, but many people feel like this, and particularly while doing God's work. Why am I taking the time to tell you all this? Well, it's because many Christians today, through various circumstances, remain in their Christian lives and never serve the Lord again. And they don't realize the full capability of what God's designed them for because at some point in their life, they've been crushed and they feel like they're a failure. The results are His. We are simply called to obey. The results are His. And we are simply called to obey. The results may not have been what we expected. We are still God's people, God's servants, His children, and not failures. None of us are exempt. Paul was not exempt. And so, through the Bible, there's many examples of people that have gone through this process. They are not exempt, similar to us. So, we can take anything from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. Missionary advice number one is simply this. Simply obey. Simply obey. Verse 4, the apostles describe themselves as men approved by God and being entrusted with the gospel. The very place where we wish to be, approved by God and entrusted with the gospel. The writer also makes one very important stipulation. He says, we must not be trying to please men, nor are we seeking the praise of men by using flattery or any other kind of means. Consider for a moment this morning, in all honesty with yourself, 
Am I a people pleaser? Or am I living a life desiring first and foremost to be a God pleaser? The third option, of course, is I'm a self-pleaser. And I think we're all guilty of self-pleasing to some degree or otherwise. But as far as a people-pleaser, a simple test to ask ourselves is this. How important is it to us to receive the praise of men? How important is that? Or how important to receive recognition from others? So if we're doing God's work, nobody says anything, nobody notices, nobody comments, we just continue on, is it the same? Or somehow do we feel we've been cheated? We should have got some recognition for this, surely. After all, we're doing God's work. It's worthy of something. But if nothing comes, and all we think is we've just done this for the pleasure of God, is that the same? Verse 4 says, Our hearts will be tested to determine our loyalty. In Genesis 22, verse 1 we read sometime later God tested Abraham. And we know the story of how Abraham was being tested with the life of his only son Isaac. The test was extreme. But it all came about in verse 12. And God said, Now I know that you fear God. Because you you didn't withhold your only son Isaac. Over anything else in your life, your own son, Abraham, proved that day he was not a self-pleaser. He was not a people-pleaser. He was sold out completely to be a God-pleaser. And God was pleased with him. And so it was an encouragement for us. We will never likely ever be put to that extreme test. But we can sure that we are being continually tested and determine the loyalty of our hearts. What is the loyalty of our heart? And yes, at times we will fail and we'll fall on our face completely. And yet God in His grace will pick us up, and if if we've sinned and we, we, we bring our confession to Him, He'll forgive us. He'll dust us off, and He'll tell us to stop pleasing ourselves and others and seek Him only. Has that happened to you recently? Is that happening to you today? Is that something you're going through today? If it has, you are in extremely good company. Abraham, Moses, Paul, Peter, to name a few. You are in a group of people that have gone through an experience that God designed specifically to show you who He is, to give you a glimpse of His character and how much He means and how much He loves you. Amazing. Remember, God calls us simply to obey Him. It's better to obey Then what? Sacrifice. Indeed. Or in John's words, John chapter 21, verse 14, 
He says, whoever has my commandments and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. And he will be loved of the Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself unto him. A lot of things are triggering on that word obey. He that has my commandments and obeys them, he it is who loves me. And he will be loved of the Father. And I will love him as well. And I will manifest myself unto him. All triggering on one key point. You have my commandments, you obey them. The rest happens as a result of that obedience. One last point on pleasing God. To obey God, we must first do one thing. And that's listen. You can't obey something if you haven't listened. If you don't know what's being said, you cannot possibly obey God. The Holy Spirit teaches us this in John chapter 16, verse 13. He says, But when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on His own, but He will speak only what He hears. And He will tell you what is yet to come. And so in this miraculous communication exchange in the Godhead, the Holy Spirit hears what is being said by God the Father, by Jesus. And He takes what's being said, He hears it, and he communicates that to us. And he tells us. And he tells us through the, the, the written word. And he tells us through the scriptures, the circumstances of life, perhaps other believers, or perhaps a still, small voice when we are quiet before God and we sense God speaking to us. And he reveals to us what the Father and what Jesus has told him. Amazing. Jesus, the Father, speaking to us through the Holy Spirit, telling us what is not yet to come. Not prophetically necessarily. What is yet to come is what is yet to be revealed in your life and what God has for you. And so the Holy Spirit reveals that in a miraculous way. First of all, because we're listening. Second of all, because he tells us. And after he tells us, we act out in obedience. A simple chain of communication that leads to, he has my commandments and obeys them. He it is who loves me and will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and I will manifest or I will show Myself to Him. We can praise God all morning just on that single thing. That single thing. Missionary advice number two. Please God. Number one, simply obey. Number two, please God. Paul takes time to mention, it's down around verse 6, That as an apostle, in other words, 
he had spent time with Jesus. And some might say he was a bit of a big deal. You know, he deserved the VIP treatment. He wasn't a burden, but he could have been. After all, he was Paul, he was the apostle, he was someone special. And he thinks it's important to mention that apostles were gentle. Like a mother caring for little children. I think about mothers caring for little children. And the little child, it was funny last night, we were, at, we were doing the, the um, uh, one voice. And we were, we were in the children's fun area. And um, there was this little, this little baby was sitting there with Joe and I on the table. And, and the, the little girl had nothing to offer but her beauty and her cuteness. And we looked at that little baby for, I don't know, how long, an hour? I mean, we couldn't get over it. You know, it was just, for us, she was just captivating. I mean, and all she was doing was just sitting there. She wasn't even smiling, actually. A little crack of a smile once in a while, but that's it. But the thing is, the mother looked after her children. There's nothing from the children other than that love that the child gives back. But she'll give everything for that child, expecting nothing. Nothing in reply. Only the fact, the pleasure that she's actually looked after that child. Gentleness is often overlooked as a personal trait in our society, or even thought of as a characteristic of weakness. Gentleness. Today, power, assertiveness earn much, much more respect. Even though, and it's interesting, the power and pushing your assertiveness over somebody else could be related to bully-type activity. It's almost respected, particularly in the corporate world, and everyone hates a bully. It's true. Tell me me a bully that you love. He's a bully. You know, introduce your friend. Look at this guy. He's a bully. You'd say, whoa, really? I don't want anything to do with that guy. But if you have that kind of assertiveness, that sort of toughness, people respect that. I understand bulliness is different from that, but it's a similar kind of a trait, and it's almost at the opposite end of the spectrum of gentleness. Gentleness is this. It's love in action. Agape love in action. Being considerate. Meeting the needs of other people. Allowing the time for the other person to talk because you're interested in their view and learning something from them. Being willing to learn. Being gentle sometimes is thought of of being nice. But it is quite different than being nice. In his book, Kelly Bryson says, the book is... Don't be nice, be real. He says, often people in relationships with nice people turn their irritation towards themselves because they're puzzled. How could they be so upset with someone who's so nice? Nice people don't give honest feedback because someone might think they weren't nice. Which means you never really know truly where you stand with someone who's being only nice. Also, 
Nice people frequently dump their anger in, or keep all their anger inside until they find a safe place to dump it. In summary, nice people are so nice that openness and honesty are not possible because that gets obscured by niceties. Or it gets painted with a flowery pen that you don't even know is actually being said. However, being gentle is this. Love in action in a completely open and honest manner. Being loving, yes. Being truthful, yes. Being only nice, no. Missionary advice number three. Be gentle. Be gentle. Paul in verse number or in chapter in verse number nine, he's not bragging or he's not complaining when he says, Remember our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preach to you. Although Paul had the right to receive financial support and probably abundant financial support from the people he taught, he chose, and it was his choice to choose, he chose to support himself as a tent maker because he could so that he wouldn't be a burden upon the Thessalonian believers. And I believe that Paul chose not to be a burden because he didn't want to give the devil any kind of foothold to accuse the apostles of anything that would tarnish the presentation of the gospel. Because people inevitably get the wrong idea or they'll come up with something And so he didn't want any element of accusation against him or the apostles that would somehow take away from the presentation of the gospel. There'd be no distractions that they would look at and think, oh, there must be an agenda or there must be something. If he eliminated all those things and made it simple, that the gospel is presented simply, that the focus and the attention would be on the gospel and not on Paul or Silas or Timothy or Jason or whoever else was presenting the gospel at that time. And I believe that was, the, that was the reason why he did that. And so missionary advice number four, don't be a burden. These things are particularly important for us. So as we return to Cambodia we have perhaps four primers for our life that we can think about and focus on and think these are lessons in teaching that Paul has given as an experienced and respected missionary of the first century. But it isn't only for us. It's for everyone. You know, that that sign over the, the threshold of the doors you're leaving the church you're entering the mission field, you know? And that's so true about all of us. 
or entering the mission field, or entering a place where we interact with people on a regular basis every day. And it is a mission field, and it is an opportunity to share. It is an opportunity to present the gospel to people, either through our lifestyle, our words, our conversation, our love, our respect, the way we interact, just the, just the way that we conduct ourselves, in order that people might be attracted, not to us, but to the person who's within us. The Spirit of God, Jesus residing within us. And they might see that. And they might be attracted to that to ask questions. And so, we all enter the mission field for the same reason. And the mission field is here. It's in all areas of this continent, North America, South America, throughout the globe. We're all doing the same work for Jesus. So to summarize, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 and 13, missionary advice that I glean from this is number one, simply obey. The results are His. Number two, please God. And so by pleasing God first, we will inadvertently please others and self. If we please God first, inadvertently, we will choose, because of our respect to God, to please others. And we, in that way, will feel different about ourselves. God will give us the pleasure that we can draw from internally, rather than us trying to find something of ourselves. Number three, be gentle. Agape love and honest. Agape love in, in action, sorry. Open and honest. Transparent. And last, don't be a burden. As believers, we are called to be bond servants, fellow workers, laborers for the gospel, workers for Jesus. Workers. Let us close. Father, we do thank You for these, these two words that, that we think they would be mutually exclusive, but they're they're in perfect harmony with Jesus, that we're, broke, we're gracefully broken before You, Lord. We know that you, we are in Your hands, and we know that we are being molded by, by You to be the person You've called us and designed and purposed us to be, Jesus. So we welcome You, Lord, into our lives and to, to break the very things that would cause us to become more the person and more the, the brothers and sisters, Lord, you meant us to be, Jesus. So we praise you for that and we thank you in your precious and most holy name. Amen. And just before we, we, we dismiss, um, on behalf of BFA, uh, we'd like to congratulate Jay and Megan this morning on their engagement. And we... Uh, We, we sincerely congratulate you as brothers and sisters before you that we're, we're here with you to support you.